Well, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss's resignation the other day was a shock to many, but you know what? Inevitable to others, right? You saw the memes comparing her tenure to that of a head of lettuce, which would last longer, and ultimately the lettuce, the vegetable one. So now what? For more, I'm joined by Robert Johns, a politics professor at Essex University. Hello, Robert. Hello. So good of you to join us again. Robert, no problem. Pleasure. not sure uh, if you heard our, our tape earlier, maybe you've heard, you've already heard it just from BBC there, of the Conservative MP Sir Charles Walker sounding off on, on how livid he was with trust. Did you hear that whole bit? Uh, yeah, I've heard him on, on that theme quite a few times. Yes. <laughs> he's maintaining the anger. Yes. Now, he's so angry. He's with just the whole mess that the country finds itself in. What did Liz Truss do in her month and a half to tick everyone off the way she did? Well, um, her, the first couple of weeks of her reign, uh, her reign uh, was completely overshadowed by the, the death of the Queen. Um, as soon as the dust settled after that, she had what was commonly referred to as a mini-budget, um, i.e. a set of announcements on taxes and spending that sent the markets into free fall. And from then on, she seemed doomed. And she was particularly doomed because during the leadership contest in which she'd beaten um, a rival, Rishi Sunak, there had been much debate about her plans in which he'd said, if you do this, the markets will crash and you'll have to rein it back immediately. So she was exposed as not having really listened to people as well as having made a mistake. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, and she announced those unfunded tax cuts, and it was that announcement that tanked the value of the pound really quickly. How did someone with so little experience in the first place get to hold such a position? (coughs) Well, she was not that inexperienced in terms of... She'd been in the Cabinet for a long time in a range of roles. She hadn't had a lot of senior positions until she was Foreign Secretary um, in the run-up to her being Prime Minister. Um, But I think we've had a problem in the UK ever since the Brexit referendum, which is that we've had the Conservatives in government, but they were deeply split on on the European Union issue. And basically anybody who voted to remain in the EU, which was at least half of the Conservative parliamentary party, is more or less considered persona non grata in in the cabinet. So the pool of talent is is halved in, in size. And they've kind of tried quite a few people and they're dipping ever deeper into that pool. And because they're so deeply personally divided as well, Liz Truss was elected because she wasn't Rishi Sunak and because she was the one who was seen as having been loyal to Boris Johnson, who remains more popular than her. So a lot of people who voted for her will have known deep down that she probably wasn't the most talented candidate, but they went ahead anyway. And and as ye sow, so shall ye reap. Just because she seemed like she was the better choice between those others? Well, she represented, I mean, everybody likes tax cuts. It's just that nobody really likes to think about how they can be funded. Sure. Um, so she was speaking, the, the way that the system works is that you you get down to the final two candidates via the MPs, but then it goes to the party members, and party members in the country tend to be to the kind of ideological outside or extreme of of the of the party as a whole. So that they, they lapped it up. But again, as I say, there's a it became a very personal thing about whether you'd been loyal to Boris Johnson or not, and she was perceived as the loyalist, and, and that was a huge advantage in her favour. And now former Chancellor Rishi Sunak has confirmed he's in the race to be the next Conservative leader, and also Rhys Mogg says Boris Johnson will run. 
Yeah, Boris Johnson has had a dramatic return from his holiday in the Caribbean to um, <laughs> to take part in this leadership race, it seems. But at the moment, the, the, the story is that Rishi Sunak is overwhelmingly the favourite. He has a lot of backers. And I think Boris Johnson is, is in the background assessing whether he has enough backers it, to make it worth publicly standing. The reason I think he's hesitated before announcing officially that he will stand is because he's not sure whether he's even got a chance of winning. And I personally suspect that he hasn't. And so I think there may well soon be some announcement along the lines of Boris thinking, actually, Rishi Sunak will be an excellent man for the job and I would be delighted to serve in his cabinet, etc., etc. Um, yeah. I, I, I think there's a fair bit of smart money on Sunak now. Okay. Uh, also, let's talk about Liz Truss uh, having been only in number 10 for 45 days, and yet she's apparently eligible for the public duty costs allowance, the PDCA. So this means she could get up to hundred. what would be in Canada, $177,000 annually. But the Labour Party has said she shouldn't receive it. What is the status on her right to that allowance? Well, her constitutional right to it is unquestionable, really. Um, I mean, the rules are, are clear and it's never really come up before because nobody's done such a short time. Sure. Um, I mean, actually, with some of the, pe- the prime ministers who've served a couple of years, there have been murmurs about this kind of thing. But, I mean, it, it, it may prompt a change in the rules, but it would be a bit harsh on, um, on her. I mean, it always seems a bit odd to speak about harshness by depriving people of that kind of money for, for having done so little. But it, it would certainly seem a bit vindictive to say, right, well, you were so bad that we're going to change the rules retrospectively. Um, and, I mean, these things, are, they're not huge amounts. You know, per, no individual in Britain is going to be affected by, by this, even though it does stick in the craw a bit. Um, so I, I suspect she'll, she'll get her money. But what she won't get is credibility back in any time, I don't think. So I suspect if she could swap the money for a, 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 a better reputation, a more restored reputation and the chance to return, I think she would. Um, but I don't think she has that choice. As a political scientist, do you think that perhaps they should look at that uh, PDCA again and the eligibility of it, maybe changing rules going forward? If Liz Truss can be in power for 45 days, who's to say someone couldn't be in power for less time in the future? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. And actually, I, I mean, I think you're right that it would be, this will definitely prompt a rethink of the rules. And I think that they could afford to make them less generous. And I think what it would make more sense is actually to pay the prime minister somewhat more while in office, uh, rather than paying them so much um, once they've finished, because actually by the standards of politicians in other countries um, and relative to cabinet colleagues, um, and certainly relative to other, you know, kind of professional occupations, our politicians and our prime ministers are not especially well paid and people do talk about how you maybe if we paid them a bit more, we would get more talented people wanting to go for it. I'm a bit sceptical about how automatic that would be. But, yeah, I, I think it, it would be time to change the rules. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that they show up to the gig for the power and prestige and not, not how much they're getting paid. Exactly. But yeah. I'm curious what you think about the effect overall of Liz Truss's resignation on the Conservative Party's reputation because it seems hard to believe that after the failure of brexit the quick demise of nhs national health services uh boris's ousting the humiliating rise and fall of trust that anybody is going to vote conservative again so do you think maybe labor can expect more support next general election as a result of all of this 
Yeah, I think Labour are overwhelmingly likely to win the next general election. And I think the Conservatives will be reduced to um, one of the their smallest representations ever. I don't think they will go, you know, the comparison point we always use in the UK is, was it Kim Campbell, um, Conservatives who were reduced <laughs> sure, to yes. three seats in the Canadian Parliament? Yes. I don't think that there are enough areas in Britain that will always vote Conservative overall that they won't suffer a fate quite like that. But I think they, they could well be, by British standards, absolutely massacred. And that's exactly because their reputation is, is in tatters at the moment. They have what they've tended to have the Conservatives as a reputation for economic competence, even if they were not thought of as necessarily the most caring or compassionate lot. But their economic reputation has obviously been trashed. And they've been in government now for 12 years, which is never usually good news for a party's reputation because you know, things happen and, and things go wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they have a, a perfect storm. What seems to be happening is that there's enough people with good sense in the party to realise that restoring Boris Johnson about 10 minutes before he's about to be found guilty of misleading Parliament would be the final nail in their coffin. And instead, appointing Sunak would be at least some way of, of staunching the, the flow of blood from the party. But they're, they're in all sorts of trouble. Well, it's been very interesting to follow from over here and there's no schadenfreude involved. It's just we, I mean, we have our problems as well in Canada, but it has been uh, exceptional and astonishing over there, I would say. Robert Johns, thank you so much for being with us today. No problem. I enjoyed it.